Welcome to Studio Wednesday's Recap Diaries. My name is Katie, and this is my recap diary of House of the Dragon. Today I'm recapping the season finale, season one, episode 10, The Black Queen. We open to a somber Luceris, or Luke, looking over the kingdom. Well, technically a map of the kingdom at the Hall of Dragonstone. The whole family has just gotten back from King's Landing, where Luke was named heir to Driftmark, with the assumption that Lord Corlys wouldn't make it back from battle. And just as we've heard Luke say before, he doesn't actually want to rule Driftmark. He doesn't want to be Lord of the Tides. It's imposter syndrome to a T. And Rhaenyra shares a wholesome moment with her baby. I totally understand. I was also just 14 when I was named heir. And it was really scary, but guess what? I learned along the way, and mama's here for you. You know, Luke is a good kid. Before we get too teary-eyed watching a healthy mother-son relationship, we get interrupted with word that Rhaenys has just arrived on Dragonback. Hmm, okay, a nice little pop-in from my cousin. How nice. Hey, how are you? Viserys is dead. Oh, shit. Cutting right to the chase. That is not all either. Aegon has been crowned as his successor, and I escaped on Dragonback, and I did not pledge my allegiance to him. And Damon steps in and asks what we've all been thinking. Why the hell didn't you burn them right there when you had the chance? But of course, Rhaenys, patient, strong, fucking smart person she is. This isn't my war to start, bitch, but I am here telling you guys. So much stress is occurring, and Rainier's pregnancy is coming to an end, much too soon. She's in true agony, pacing the room as she delivers her stillborn child. Truly horrifying to watch, but it's a scene to remind us that this story is really a tragedy, and it's about blood and loss. While the family and some guards pay respect to the child at a funeral outside, when another unexpected guest shows up. Sir Eric, the one who helped Rhaenys flee. You know, the one whose brother, Arik, is still working for the Greens. And what's that he took with him? Viserys's crown, for Rhaenyra to wear. In front of everyone there, she is named and crowned and bowed to. It was chills. It was strength. It was giving true royalty. The only person who did not bow was Rhaenys course, she's playing her cards right, patiently waiting for her husband to come back alive and well. It, it, it was a surprise to all of us. And as he wakes up in bed from his slumber and works on final recovery from his fever, Rhaenys is like, hey, so glad that you're alive and all, but you motherfucker have missed a lot. And also, fuck you for leaving me. Okay, now that that's over, let's figure out what's next. And listen up, buddy. Rhaenyra is holding us down, keeping us all from bloodshed. While Rhaenyra finds her footing as queen, her husband-uncle, Daemon, is conspiring with the guards about how to start planning their offense, or defense. Who is really running the show, Daemon? Are you backing Rhaenyra? Are we pulling this Slytherin energy? Or are you just out to get Otto and Alicent and make sure that you get closer to the throne? One thing is for sure. Damon is unaware of the Song of Ice and Fire. So it's truly all in Rhaenyra's hands now. As they all discuss who might be allies and who might be foes, counting dragons and whatnot, there is a third uninvited visitor who shows up. 
This one is a bit more expected, though. It's Otto. As Otto and his gaggle of men walk up to Damon and his gaggle of men, we're brought back to episode two. The only one here who can save this conversation is Rhaenyra showing up on Dragonback. Well, Otto was here to bring news of a quote-unquote deal that little King Aegon is giving to Rhaenyra and her family, one in which the children will basically be servants to Aegon. Fuck that. The energy that Rhaenyra and Daemon have right now is a united front. You can call them anything, but fierce and loyal parents is definitely on that list. While Damon enters the caves, seemingly to find and become the rider of an unclaimed dragon, Rhaenyra is back to the drawing board and Corlys made it out of bed. He's here to officially show support and bow to Queen Rhaenyra and also give a few pieces of advice. Thanks for that, sir, but let me tell you, we're not going to war. This whole collecting allies is a just-in-case-something-happens situation. I am not starting this war but I'm gonna fucking be ready. As our favorite little white-haired kitten, Marie says from the Aristocats, ladies do not start fights, but they can finish them. Well, Corliss is not only coming in hot with some allyship, but also a hand up for Rhaenyra. When he was fighting the Stepstones, again, he managed to secure it, which means that the narrow sea belongs to Corliss, and therefore Rhaenyra, helping immensely for when, I mean if, war breaks out cutting off travel and trade to King's Landing. So in order to make sure all of this is going smoothly, Rini says she'll fly on Dragon back to the gullet and check herself. And while she's doing that, it's also been decided that to remind House Aaron, House Stark, and House Baratheon of their oaths to Rhaenyra, they're going to go for a personal touch, sending Jace up north for Aaron and Stark and Luke to the Baratheons. But there's one rule, no bloodshed or threats. Simply saying hi, sending a message from the queen. As Rhaenyra gives some queen advice to the boys, she sends them off with motherly love. Watching from Dragonstone as the three leave on their dragons, we follow Luke to visit the Baratheons. And as he gets there, a storm is just starting. And while he's parking his dragon, we see that there is already one there, a big ass one. A brave-faced Luke walks into the hall where he's greeted by the Baratheon family, as well as Aemond. Luke again stays strong and hands a written letter to Lord Baratheon, who hands it to his maester to read to him. Boris Baratheon is quick to dismiss this. What are you giving me for my support? See, Aemond over there, he's going to marry one of my daughters, and you're offering me nothing. Offer denied. Luke stays peaceful, just as his mom wanted it. And he accepts and says, okay, fine, I'm going to bring word back to my mama. And he's walking out. But Eamon has something to say. Did we really think he would let Luke leave without stirring the pot? Eamon is out for an eye, just as Luke took from him. Like a tired bartender at a dive bar, Lord Baratheon is like, yo, no fighting in my establishment. Take it outside. And they take it outside. In fact, up to the stormy skies. A scared Luke commanding a scared Arax as a malicious Aemon taunts Luke in the sky with his dragon, Vagar, that is at least ten times bigger than Arax. As the dragons dance in the sky, Arax takes matters into his own hand for just one second and threatens Vagar with some fire. With that, Vagar loses any idea that he will be commanded by Aemon, and it's now dragon on dragon. As Luke makes it above the storm, Vagar creeps up and kills 
Luke and Arax with one massive bite. I'll leave you with the scene as the episode also ends. Queen Rhaenyra getting message of her son's murder, and we see the fire inside her finally return, fully alive, and a war that has officially begun. Well, this has been Studio Wednesday's Recap Diaries. Thank you for listening to today's diary. Tomorrow, you can hear my bonus recap of the whole season of House of the Dragon. If you look forward to that, you can subscribe or follow or whatever you do on the platform that you're listening to this on. And hey, even rate this podcast only if you like it. To learn more about Studio Wednesday or see the big reveal for what story will be recapped next, check out studio-wednesday.com slash recap diaries and follow on Instagram at recap diaries. That's all for now. Chat soon. XOXO, Katie.